Are, are you guys Radiohead fans? Is anybody here Radiohead fans? Doesn't that put a little pep in your step? Because it's Radiohead. Every time I'm like, it's Radiohead. I, I really like it. It has nothing to do with my message. <laughs> nothing. Um, I guess I'll start my message. Uh, Jesus says this. For, uh, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. That's what Jesus says. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Where's your treasure? Where's your heart? We're in church, right? Should we give the good Sunday school answer? Where's your treasure? Jesus. Come on, Sunday school answer, people. Our treasure's in Jesus, right? That's what we say. We say it's in Jesus. And, uh, and that's good. And you know what? I believe some of you. I believe that's definitely true of some of you, that when you say your tre- where your treasure and your heart are, it would be in Jesus Christ and the grace of Christ. I think that's a good thing. Um, my guess is that uh, we have different treasures. That's my guess, okay? My guess is that uh, some of us right now would say that uh, our treasure is in our professional life. We'd probably say that. You can nod in agreement if you think that. If, you know, yeah, you know, professionally speaking, like, you know, if things are going really, really well, well, then our hearts are really well, right? Things are going well in life. Everything feels good. Um, you know, when, when work starts to get tough or when it's not working out professionally like we thought it would, well, then our hearts, you know, we start to sag a little bit. We don't feel as great. And then when we lose our job, we'll forget it. Like, it's all over, right? We, we're, we're in a terrible place because at the beginning, our treasure was in our professional lives. Our treasure was in our job. Our identity was in our job. And so that's where our hearts are, right? What about uh, relationships? Treasure and relationships. You have a new best friend? or a group of friends you absolutely love, a roommate you love, family member, spouse, significant other, somebody that you uh, just you know, think the world of, or a group of people you think the world of. And so you stop doing everything else. You stop going out, you stop going to church, you stop doing everything because you are content to hang out with this group of people, this person. You will order Chinese food and stare at the wall with them, right? That's what you'll do because that's where your treasure is and that's where your heart is, right? That's how it works. What else? Skills. I feel like I use the same skills all the time. Writing, music, people we follow, bands that we like, teams that we enjoy watching, whatever the case. You can be the best, you know, you, you can have your treasure in writing, you could have your treasure in music, you could have your treasure in like, I don't know, raising llamas. I'm just coming up with stuff here. Like, you can have your treasure in whatever it might be, right? And that's where your heart is, and that's what matters most, okay? That's what matters most. Now, how do we know? How do we know what matters most in our lives? How do we know where our treasure is? How do we know where our heart is? If you would say Jesus Christ, my treasure is in Jesus Christ, you might say, hey, look at my Bible, or look at my Bible app at this point. Uh, and you see that it's all highlighted, and you see that there's notes, and you see that I've done all this, and that's great. That's really good. If it's in um, you know, your professional life, if your treasure in your heart or in your professional life, then you would say, you know, look, I'm, I'm, I'm making really key decisions and I'm being very strategic and I'm moving up in the, in the company and with everything else. And yeah, I see that, right? What about with people? My treasure's with people. I love them so much. This is what's happening. It's incredible. I post it on Facebook all the time and you know, I go to the orchard and all the rest and like, it's incredible. And I like when I see those pictures. I think that's cool. It shows that you have a treasure somewhere. That band that you love, that team that you love. I love them so much. I love that person so much. I got a tattoo you know, of them on my forearm. And that's why you have a tattoo of Justin Bieber on your forearm. <laughs> but regardless, like, how do we know? Well, I would propose, I would propose that the, the, where our treasure is, where our treasures, where our hearts are, the way that we can tell more than any other way is by looking at our bank accounts. By looking at our bank accounts or our credit card statements. If you are new here today, I'm really glad you're here. Welcome. We're talking about money. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> Hopefully you come back. But anyway, uh, no, we're, we're really glad you're here. But yeah, so we are going to talk a little bit about money today, okay? We're going to talk about, you know, where our treasure, where our hearts are. You know, we can look at our bank accounts, our credit card statements, and guess what? They're probably going to be pretty true to form. I did this, right? I, I looked up, you know, I, I thought about putting my bank statement up there, but I don't trust some of you. Um, I'm looking at you, Bill Enninger. I don't trust you. But anyway... Um, but I looked at it, and sure enough, you know, when you take out my rent, and when you take out the bills, and every, all the other stuff, it's pretty true to form. The things that I care about right now, the things that matter most to me right now, I'm spending money on, okay? And it also makes sense why we had the lots of cab bills last, last, last week. That was, Juby, Juby Value is not walking, that's what she values. So, that, that made sense too. And it's true, and so I wonder, if you guys think about this, if you think where your treasure is and where your heart is, right? Is it true of you as well? How are you spending your money? Are you spending money on the things that you say your treasure lies in? Your treasure lies in Jesus Christ. Are you spending your money? Does your money reflect that professional life? Does your professional life reflect that? How is it reflected? Okay. Here's the good thing, right? We're in this series called Matter. And it says, you know, commerce in the kingdom of God. And what we're really talking about is just money. We're really just talking about how do we... How do we spend our money? How do we give money? How do we save money if we're trying to follow Christ, if we're working uh, on following Christ? And so the thing that I, I talked about last week, if you were here, and that I'll talk about again is this is kind of a good problem for us to have. Okay, the fact that most of us in this room today can take a look at our bank accounts and can say, hmm, after rent and after the bills and after everything else, I'm spending X amount of dollars, that's, that's a luxurious problem to have. Okay? It's a good thing. And if you were here last week, last week I said, you know, if you're able to do this and look at your account, then we have rich people problems, right? So if you guys remember, if you were here, I said, you know, if you go to a restaurant, you, eat, you, uh, you have food, and uh, you, you throw a little bit out, you don't eat it all, well, that's a rich person problem that you have, right? If you, um, you know, you go to the subway and the train's coming and you swipe your card and it says insufficient funds, and then you go back to the kiosk and you miss the train and you're like, oh, well, you have a rich people problem, okay? Because you're able, actually able to swipe your card to begin with. That's kind of a big deal. You know, so that's what I said. I said if you've got like an extra 10 bucks in your pocket for TGI Friday appetizers, you have two problems. You know, one's rich people, one's the fact that you go to Fridays. But these are the things that I said, right? So, so you know, the fact that we can talk about this and say like, hey, where do our treasures lie by? We look at our bank accounts. This is... This is luxurious. This means that most of us are in a pretty good position. And that's true. Everything we have comes from the loving hand of God. That's what we've been saying. Everything we have, the money we have, comes from the loving hand of God. And so we should not. We shouldn't feel bad about what we have. Okay? We shouldn't feel bad that we have these rich people problems. Um, if, if everything we have comes from the loving hand of God, then the truth of the matter is that there's a God who put us here at this time and this place for this reason. Right? So we have what we have because of God. So... We don't want to feel bad about it, but here's what we do want to do. We want to look, and we want to pay attention. We want to look at that treasure we have, and we want to say, okay, am I only spending on this thing? Am I only spending on this one particular treasure? Is my heart in this, only in this one particular place? And if that's the case, if that's what's going on with us, then there's a chance that we're probably going to feel discontented most of the time. That's the truth. We have two daughters, they really wanted this water, this water bottle with, uh, with unicorn on it. And, uh, and so we did like a sticker chart. And we said, when you fill up the sticker chart, you get the water bottle with the unicorn. And we filled up the sticker, they filled up the sticker chart, and they got the water bottle with the unicorn. They were so excited. And two days later, my younger one, I'm walking her to school, and she goes, Dad, when am I going to get another water bottle? 
I was like, kid, you just got this one. Doesn't matter if you're one or 101. Where does your treasure lie? Your heart will be there also. And if it's on these singular focuses, you're always going to be discontented. Now for me, I'll let you into my life a little bit. I, I, value, I value experiences, trips. So I go on a lot of trips. Anybody else? Anybody else like trips? Go on trips? Yeah, yeah. Those are big things for me. I like going away. Uh, and I know what I'm not doing well. I know I'm not doing well when I'll go on a trip and it'll be a great experience and I come home and no joke, like a day later I'm back on Travel Zoo looking at like the fall deals. That's when I know I'm in bad shape. Like, you know, my, my heart's not in the right spot. Like, discontented. There's a guy, his name is Brian Williams. He goes by Brian Birdman Williams. He's the CEO of Cash Money Records. Anybody ever hear of Cash Money Records? There was this incredible article in Forbes about him. He's an amazing, amazing entrepreneur. But they asked, they said, uh, you know, um, they said to him, uh, what, what, what have been your goals? And he said, well, first I wanted to sign the best artists. And he's got like Lil Wayne and Nicki Minaj on there and everybody else. And he goes, and then I wanted $100 million. And he got it. And so they said, what's your next goal? Because my next goal is a billion dollars. That's what we do. When we have a singular focus, our treasure is singular. What we end up doing is we end up saying, you know what, I, this is what I want. And when we get it, we're kind of like, well, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? How do we have, you get that, you get the promotion. Well, what's the next thing? You, you get the raise. Well, what's the next thing? We're always looking for that next thing. And you know, my kids, they're always going to want water bottles. <laughs> I'm always going to want another trip. And I don't know Brian Williams, but I got to imagine when he gets a billion, he's going to want two billion. That's the way we operate. So, how do we fix this? How do we change it? What if our treasure was in being generous? What if we had a treasure of generosity? What if I said that we were made to be content and satisfied through generosity? What if I said that? Well, how would we find that out? How would we look? We would have to go to Paul's letter to the Corinthians. That's where we're going to go today. If you have your Bible or your Bible app or whatever you have, you can go to 2 Corinthians. Um, we're going to take a look at chapter 9. And I'm going to give you some context here, okay? Here's the context. Um, this is the first century, and there's all these brand new Christian churches, and these brand new Christian churches are not doing well. They're not. Things are not going well for them. They have money issues. They have people issues. They have legal issues. They're being arrested. They're being killed. Churches are barely hanging on. There is a church in Jerusalem where it all started that is, is you know, a few years away from being destroyed. And there's all these other little churches that are struggling too. So that's the context in which Paul is writing this letter to the church at Corinth. And this is what he says. He says to them, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we've experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we had received the sentence of death. And I'm in Corinthians 1, verse 9. I think I just said Corinthians 9, verse 1. Sorry. So, it's not good. It's not good here. So you have a bunch of these churches that are not doing well. And then Paul has spent time with the Corinthians, and here's their deal. Okay? They, they have their own treasures that they're pursuing, their own place that their heart is at. Okay? They, uh, there's a group of them that uh, decide that they want to take part in the gods of the Roman Empire, and so they go back and they you know, do like all this debauchery and like all the rest and, and are worshiping different gods, and so there's a division there. Then there's uh, another group of, of the Corinthians that are, they're like, you know what? Titles matter more than anything. That's what matters. And so like, they're, they're fighting and they're pursuing titles, like high priest, higher priest, highest priest. It's like ridiculous. They're fighting over these titles and trying to figure it all out. 
And then there's a third group of people in this church that are saying that they're the best theologian, that Paul, who wrote this letter, is a false prophet, that they know better, they're an incredible theologian. And so there's this infighting saying, you know, my treasure's in, in my, I'm the smartest one. My treasure is in, do I have the best title? My treasure's in, like, just having a good time, being debauched, drinking lots of wine, and all the rest. That's where people are seeing these treasures, right? And so Paul comes and he goes, you guys are a mess, but I think I know how to bring peace, I think I know how to bring peace to you guys. That's what he's basically telling them. And so Paul tells them a story. He tells them a story about another church. Church in Macedonia. Church in Macedonia is this tiny church that is by far the worst of all the churches. It is not going well there. They are on the verge of, of just breaking down. People are dying there. They have no money. They have nothing. This is what Paul says about the church in Macedonia. He says, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. So what Paul says is, he's like, there's this church that's not doing well, Corinthians, he goes, they're called the Macedonians, and they gave a bunch of money, and they're pretty content. They're actually pretty happy. They're doing okay now. And Paul basically goes to the Corinthians. He says, is it possible that you can have peace through the same kind of generosity? Except Paul, like, like butters them up. Like, can we talk about some butt-kissing in the Bible? This is Bible butt-kissing right here. He says, but since you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge... Complete earnestness, the love that is kindled in you. Totally, he's like, you guys are so good at everything. He goes, see that you also excel in giving? So basically saying, we know you guys think you're great. Well, you are great. But you're going to find peace when you give, when you're generous. That's what he says. And so then he says, here's why you'll find peace. He says, because the service which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. And for your generosity, generosity and sharing with them and everyone else. And in their prayers, for you their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given to you. Thanks be to God. What does that basically mean? What does that basically say? It says you will find peace in generosity because it is a testament to the grace of Jesus Christ. That's why you will find peace. Now, we can end the message right here if we want to. We could. We could stop right here. In fact, I've given this message before and I have stopped right here. I've said, you know what? If you're a part of this community, if you're a member of this community, um, you know, then you could probably experience in some way, in some form, the grace of Jesus Christ. And if that's the case, as a testament to the grace of Jesus Christ, why don't you give back to this community? I've done that before. I've said that. But I've been in your position once where I was sitting there and pastors would say that to me and I'd be like, that's great, I'm still not going to give. I've been in that position. So what is it? So what are, what are you thinking? My guess is if I'm looking at the thought bubbles above your heads right now, um, you know, some of your thought bubbles are like, that's great. I love this community. I've been here for a while. It, I, you know, I can testify to the grace of Jesus Christ. But the truth is I don't necessarily believe all of this. I don't necessarily believe in Jesus. or I don't understand this God thing. And so until I'm sure, I'm not going to give. I might say that. You know, I, I can testify to the grace of Jesus Christ. I love this community. It's amazing. But the truth is, I'm working on this particular skill. This skill's my treasure. And I gotta be honest, if my heart is not in this right now, I'm probably gonna have to leave New York. So, I can either be generous or I can leave. One or the other. You might be thinking that. It's true. 
You might be saying to yourself, you know what, I do, I can testify to the grace of Jesus Christ, but, but the truth is, like, everything, it's so hard to pay for everything, and, you know, you talk about that little extra in your bank account, like, I have, like, seriously little extra. So, grace of Jesus Christ, wonderful, I still can't be generous. I get it, I understand, I've been there before. You know what was interesting was, when I look at this grace of Jesus Christ thing, what, what I look at is, is I something that goes beyond this. What I see is that there is a God who has made us in this incredible way. What if I told you there's a God who made us, made us in a place that when we're generous, when we focus on the treasure of generosity, we feel content. And I'm going to stop for one second because it's not a God who says, hey, when you focus on the treasure of generosity, I, everything comes back to you tenfold. Or hey, when you focus on the treasure of generosity, you're going to have a new car. I don't know, whatever it might be. That's not what's happening here. That's not what's happening here. But what if I said there's a God who says, you know, I've made you so that when you are generous, you feel contentment. Um, there's this thing called the World Happiness Report. Anybody ever hear of this before? It's really, really, read it. It's super interesting. It was done by three guys. One of them's at Columbia, which is where I found it. It's 170 pages, but it's a really easy read. So check it out. And... Um, <laughs> And what, what they say is they, they, you know, they interview all these people and they do like years of study and they do all these um, you know, different things. What makes people across the world, in the world, happy in different places and all the rest? And they do all this. And, uh, and what they find is fascinating. Now, some of it is pretty, uh, it makes sense. So they, they will say that, yes, what we see here is we see that when you get a raise or when there's a promotion or when you meet somebody new, those things will make you happy. You get happy. It's a good thing. But they say that happiness is something that's fleeting. That happiness is something that goes away. So they said, what brings continued happiness? What brings continued satisfaction? And this was what the the, um, study says. It says, we have an idea of being content when we belong to community. It's in community that we feel the pain of others, react viscerally when others are sad and injured. We even have mirror neurons that enable us to feel from the point of view of others. All of this gives us the remarkable capacity to gain happiness from cooperation, even when there's little chance of reward or reciprocity. Interesting. Basically what this is saying, if we're to break it down, it's saying we have been made. We have been made to, lit, to, to, to operate in such a place where we don't care about ourselves, we care about other people. We have neurons in our brain that say, hmm, that other person or the, this community or something needs my help. And, and what happens is when we give that thing, there are chemicals in our brain that go, that go oh, you're happy now. You're happy because you were generous. And those chemicals stay with us and they make us content. We have literally been made by God, biologically made by God to be generous people. God says when you give, the the chemicals in your brain are going to release. You will feel content. More content than you were pursuing any other treasure that you might ever have. That is going to happen to you. Now you might not get the new car. You might not get money back tenfold. But biologically we're made to give and feel contentment. And this is amazing, right? Because basically what God is saying then is God says, everything I have, right, or everything you have comes from my loving hand. Everything you have comes from the loving hand of God. And when I ask you to give just a little bit of that back to other people, that is also going to make you happy. It's going to make you feel good. And what do we do with that? What do we do with that? What do I do with that? You know what we do? It's like the time when your grandma bought you the supersized Kit Kat. And you ate it in the back seat of the car and you were psyched. And your grandma goes, can I have a piece? And you go, no. 
It's my Kit Kat. That might have been something I did. It's like the time when, um, for your birthday, you got a Nintendo. I- I'm old. What do kids get these days? I don't even know. You got a Nintendo, and you, you open you were like, oh, thanks, Mom and Dad. And you start playing Super Mario, and your Mom and Dad are like, hey, can we get a turn? You're like, no. I'm playing Super Mario. God says, hey, everything you have comes from my loving hand. If you give a little bit back, guess what? It's going to make you really happy. And we go, no. I have a different treasure that I want to work on. I want to do I want to use. That's where my heart is. That's what we do. How do we change it? How do we fix it? So the Corinthians, right? The Corinthians, they have, the, you know, they have a big decision. Do we give? Do we not give? And, um, and they decided to give. That's what they decided to do. And, and I have to imagine there was a ton of dissension. I have to imagine there was infighting. I have to imagine people left the church because of it. I got to imagine it was like this giant mess. Uh, but ultimately, at the end of the day, this church, uh, the Corinthian church, decided to give. And so then we don't really hear from the Corinthian church much longer until the second century where there is a letter written to, by two different Roman officials. One Roman official is asking the other Roman official, hey, why are the churches growing so fast? And in this letter, there's a bunch of churches mentioned, and I, I presume one is Corinth, although I don't know the, my Greek well enough to know that. Um, but he says, why, why are these churches growing the, the way they're growing? What's happening? And then he gets another letter back, and they found these letters. You could check them out. And he says, they're growing for this reason. Um, let me tell you why Christianity is spreading so fast. They share their table with all. They love but are persecuted. They're poor, but they make people rich. They're short of everything, but they have plenty. They're treated outrageously, but treat everyone respectfully. And when they are attacked, they rejoice as if they've been given new life. Who are these people? So you see, with the Corinthians, with the Macedonians, at the end of the day, guess what? They were still persecuted. At the end of the day, they were still poor. They didn't get a new car. They didn't get ten times back. But what they did get was a contentment and satisfaction that was a testament to the grace of God, the fact that God made them to be generous people. To the point where you have Roman officials in the Roman Empire, which literally was the whole world at that time, saying, "Why? what's up with these people? Who are these people? It's a discipline. It's a practice. You have to start somewhere. So if you're new here today, again, I'm really, really glad you're here. If you're visiting, I'm really glad you're here. This, this part, you can put in your headphones, you can scroll Facebook, do whatever you need. It's not necessarily for you, although I'll be happy to talk to you guys afterwards. This part's kind of for our people who have been here for a while who call this place home and they call it community. I want to challenge you to change up your treasure. I want to challenge you to practice a treasure of generosity. I want to see where your heart goes. If you haven't been giving to this church, if you haven't been giving to this community, I want to challenge you today just straight up, and you know how hard this is for me to say, I want to challenge you to give. To give to our community. To give to our church. And see where your heart goes. If you've been giving, and you're saying, you know, I've been giving sparingly, or I haven't been giving very consistently, I want to challenge you today to to give consistently. If you... um, you know, if you give and the giving's great, but, but you're not really giving of your time or you're not helping anybody else, you know, I challenge you to go out. There are great organizations all throughout Brooklyn that we're connected with that are doing great things. I challenge you to give of your time. And if you're in here right now and you're like, wow, I thought I found a church home and here we go again, another church asking for money, I challenge you not to give to our church. <laughs> give to somebody else. 
Give to another one of those organizations. Give to something else out there, but give. Be generous and see where your heart goes. If that's your treasure, if generosity is your treasure, see where your heart follows. See how that works out. And it's hard. It's not easy. It's not fun. The first time I ever gave a giving message, I relayed this story, and then I'll retire this story, but I heard this message six times from my pastor, and on the sixth time, I was like, okay, I'll do it. I get it. It's not an easy thing to do, and it takes practice, but it changes the way we live life. Our heart becomes a heart that's content and satisfied for the first time ever. Um, while I was writing this message, you know, my wife was, she was sitting at the table with me, and I was talking to her about the message, and Juby goes, oh my goodness, this reminds me of like uh, when we became pastors, and I said I wanted to make food for people, and Juby did, and um, Juby loves making food, so she's a dinner parties and making food and all the rest. That's like a place where her treasure lies, right? And so she said, you know, I, I made a decision that I was going to start making food for people. And so I would do it at the beginning. And when I did it, um, I spent a lot of money. I'd spend a ton of money every time. And then I'll have to car, like Trader Joe's back to our place and back and forth. And, and she was like, and you know, it, it, was, it was difficult because of the kids and I had to pick them up and all this. And she goes, so when I got there and when I gave people the food early on when this first started, she was like, you know, it was hard. She's like, it was difficult for me because all I could think about was all the struggle. And she goes, but I just kept doing it. Well, you know, she kept doing it. I just watched her do it. And so she kept doing it. And, and she's like, you know, it still hasn't changed. She's like, you know how much we spend. We still spend a lot of money. And she goes, we, I still have to take the, the granny cart back and forth from Trader Joe's. I don't take the granny cart. And she goes, um, she goes you know, it's still hard because we have to pick up the kids and coordinate schedules. She goes, but the thing I love, the place where my heart is and that gives me the most joy is when I get to go to people's houses and we hug each other and we smile and I get to give them something and we laugh and we talk. That's what matters to me. That's why my heart is content. That's why I have joy. That is now my treasure. And she goes, don't tell anybody that. <laughs> it takes discipline. It takes work. Um, it's not an easy thing. It's not something that we do and, and we feel great about right off the bat. But what if we cultivate this treasure of generosity? God says, if you do that, I've made you. I've made you to thrive. I've made you to thrive when you do that. Take a chance. See what happens. And what letters will they write about us? What letters will they write about Forefront Brooklyn? Forefront Brooklyn throws great parties. They throw incredible parties, and they have the best food and the best drinks, and all they ever say is just enjoy yourself. And Forefront Brooklyn works with all these organizations, and it doesn't matter what kind of organization they are, as long as they're helping people, Forefront's involved. And wow, what a church. That's pretty incredible. Or, or wow, you know, this small group at Forefront Brooklyn you know, gave somebody you know, the gift card when they were struggling or a place to stay or, or money when they needed it or whatever. That's an incredible part of Forefront Brooklyn. Wow, oh my goodness, they have a treasure of generosity. They are changing minds. They are changing hearts. Where your treasure will be, your heart is also. Where's your treasure? Where's your heart? Let's pray. God, we thank you for, um, for the most amazing gift is the, the, just the fact that you have poured out your generosity on us in ways that we can't even begin to imagine just through your son, Jesus Christ. God, we are just so thankful that through your son, Jesus Christ, we have just an outpouring of love, of grace. That 
you have given us new life and you see us as perfect because of your outpouring of generosity. Lord, teach us to do the same. And Lord, we thank you for that mercy and grace when we don't. We pray this in your name. Amen.